Welcome to Terminal Talk episode. You're, you're, you're looking at me like I know. I, I'm. I, Ooh, can I, we honestly? just say episode a lot? You've done a lot of episodes. I, I can't remember. I, we had. Was, was, I actually have to Google Terminal Talk iTunes. To, yeah, we have uh, Romney was fifteen. 17. 17. 17. So Lily was 18. 18. So welcome to Terminal Talk episode 19. 19. We have a great speaker today, Debbie Furman, who is a ZOS function test person. But you know, all the testers that I know, the finest people around. Yeah, I I think everybody who uh, has at least started their career as a tester is is awesome. Everybody gets to see software work. Not everyone gets to see it fail. I mean, not on purpose anyway. And you know, when you think about uh, testers, you think about oh, they just break stuff and and that's it. <laughs> yeah, or they, or they you know they uh, hit the button. Yeah, it looks like it's it, it works. I'm going to put my little tested by inspector number seventeen sticker on it and send it on its way. It looks good to me. <laughs> well, I think uh, when you listen to Debbie talk, you realize all the different things that you have to know to be a tester and at least a tester for ZOS because there are so many different components and um, so many different levels of things that she has to know. It's it's pretty awesome. Awe-inspiring, really. Yeah. So this episode, Debbie not only talks about what it's like to do tests, she also goes into a lot of mainframe lore. <laughs> I was just thinking about uh, the podcast lore and how we should probably do like a... Uh special halloween edition haunted mainframe edition (laughs) (laughs) and he looked into the register and it was empty all along (laughs) and then finally we had to look into the bit bucket (laughs) the call is coming from inside the sysplex (laughs) we should do that (laughs) that sounds like a fun halloween episode yeah good wholesome activities yeah we'll work on that yeah in the meantime we have a great episode with debbie firm Coming at you live from Poughkeepsie, New York, here's Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. We're here with uh, Debbie Furman in ZOS Test. There you go. Yeah, that works. Go with that. Hi, it's glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah, not too many people say that. Uh, So uh, you've been in test for, what, 15, 20 minutes now? Uh, 28 years. 28 years. My entire career. Your entire career in test. So you must like it. I do. How did you get into test? Did you like graduate college and say, I want to be a tester? Or did you just like breaking things? Uh, I, well, one, I like breaking things. The first time I touched a computer in seventh grade, I knew I was hooked because it did exactly what I told it to do, which is not necessarily <laughs> a good thing, but I like the, the control thing. Um, yeah, I graduated uh, from Potsdam University with a computer science degree and came right into to IBM. Uh, I did a six-month co-op. I was actually a developer in the co-op, and I thought, huh, they keep on changing the requirements on me. This is no fun. <laughs> so when uh, I got an interview for, for a test job, and they said, you can, you know, IBM will pay you to break software. And I went, I can be a hacker? And they went, yes. And I went, sign me up. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'll do that. That's awesome. And you've been doing this 28 years? 28 years, all in the ZOS operating system. All in the operating system. Yep. Never wanted to do anything else? Never? Uh, I haven't learned everything I can in test. That's the spirit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and the operating system is big enough, large enough, hard enough, challenging enough that I'm still happy. 
You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, it's the greatest job in the world. It is. We get that. But there must be things that are not simple, right? Oh, the entire thing is not simple. <laughs> so, I mean, think about it. In, in, when, in your college degree, it, did you do computer science? Did you take an operating systems class? Frank it, went to Hamburger University. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can flip burgers, though. Yeah. And I know how to make them. Mm-hmm. You got to get the right amount of pressure on it. Right. So, anyway... Um, you want to field this question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was in college, I, I kind of figured out quickly that I did not want to code full time. Um, so test, you know, sounds pretty awesome uh, at the surface level. Like you just get to break stuff and then walk away, right? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> oh? <laughs> um, in, in the operating system, we do an awful lot of coding. In fact, I will claim that as a tester, because I have to do simulation of hardware because we're building the hardware at the same time that we're building the software, I have to simulate the hardware before the hardware is available so I can test the software. We're building uh, a lot more simulation and test programs than even the developers. Oh, so you do a fair amount of coding. I do an awful lot of coding. (laughs) So where do you do your simulation? um, We have a virtual complex. It's called Viacom. So it's a VM, and we bring up a second-level ZOS image on top of that, and that allows us to uh, run our, our programs, and then we can actually uh, drop into what's called CP and look at registers, and we read an awful lot of hex, and <laughs> we write a lot of command files to uh, alter storage, and basically we, you know, we've know, we got the keys to the kingdom here in the development lab. So that's, that's kind of interesting, and um, I guess I was thinking as a ZOS tester that you would spend a lot of time in ZOS, but it sounds like you spend as much time in VM as you do ZOS? Um, yes and no. VM is, is just a vehicle for us to get to the ZOS system. And this is for functional test. There are many layers of test in IBM. Um, I happen to be in the functional test arena. Uh, after function test, there is system test, which they run bare metal. Uh, so they bring up the ZOS image on the bare metal. So it's not a, um, it's not in a, a Vicom complex. Could you maybe talk about the different uh, stages of test a little bit and what types of problems get found at them? Sure. Um, so our developers will uh, they, they develop the code and they will typically do a, a unit test, which is where they're crawling through their particular module that they've created. So we have a vast amount of developers, each of them creating um, updates or changes or, or new modules. So they're they're looking at a very microscopic view of the system. So they'll do a unit test. So they'll they'll simulate uh, I- um, inputs coming into the module, and they'll test branches both ways, and they test every line of code. So that's that's the unit test. After they get a bunch of modules together and they have a like a full functionality of something, then it goes to function test. That's the name. Function yep. test. Um, and we typically will run on the the, the simulated um, VM. Uh, ZOS on top of a VM so that we've got control. So we can we can set traps, we can alter storage, we can you know, drive specific uh, paths. Um, so and then after a functional test, then we we put everything together and we give it to a systems test. And that's where multiple components uh, of the operating system get together. And you even have like your DB2s and your you know your middleware, um, and they'll run more workloads, uh, longevity tests, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then after that, then we go into what's called a solutions test, and that's where we actually mimic customer workloads. 
And then we also have a performance test where they're running a bunch of workloads and, and trying to get performance analysis and stuff. So for, for the mainframe, because it's so important, we have to do all these different levels of testing to ensure you know the high quality and availability. So all this testing takes, what, two, three weeks, right? It's, it's all automated. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what they keep on saying. You know, automation is just a push of the button. Uh, yeah. But uh, n- no, it, I mean, <laughs> our, our releases are, what, now, two years? Two-year two year releases uh, for the ZOS operating system. <clears throat> now, we have certain things that are middleware and, uh, you know, higher up the stack that they're on uh, a more uh, frequent cadence than, than we are. Uh, but we we are typically on a two year release cycle, and and how much of that cycle is test? Well, back in the olden days when we were doing waterfall, they, we would develop a whole bunch of stuff, and then we would go into the testing cycle. So um, we were very much back end loaded, but we're now moving into more of an agile uh, development cycle. So now, during an iteration, and my current team is on a two week iteration, surprisingly. Huh. <laughs> you say, yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Um, but we, we, so we're building smaller chunks of code, and then testing it within that that two week iteration, and then moving on and and, and um, building the next you know, chunk of code. So, so we don't we don't deliver things, right. You know, every two weeks, but we're we're building and testing and building and testing and iterating on that. So you're in this two week window, and you have to not only test a piece of code, but you have to write a simulation for some piece of hardware that doesn't exist. Yes. That seems well, like... sort of. I mean, okay. so that's just like a management type, ma- managing your, your iterations type thing. So just like development can't necessarily, they have to write a lot of infrastructure in the operating system before they can actually get me some functionality that I can actually test. So while they're writing that infrastructure, I'm writing the simulations. So we'll have iterations where we're, you know, basically just creating things. We're not really testing things. That's okay. how we organize it. And that's part of that two-week buildup. Correct. Correct. So something as large as ZOS must be hard to do as agile, right? I mean, I, I can understand the waterfall model because it's so big. But how do you... Well, even, you... even when we were doing waterfall, though, we had to break things up. You can't do it all at once. So I, I claim that we've been doing Agile for a very long time. Um, we would break things up into drivers, and we would, you know, build a small portion of the, the operating system. And we wouldn't necessarily wait for everything to be available from development before we started test. We would, you know, take whatever they had, build a, a private driver, huh. and apply that code onto our, our virtual complex, and, and run through some tests. Because we have to debug our test programs, too, because they're not supposed to be there. <laughs> So um, what percentage of the overall development time would you say is done testing? It depends on what you're developing and it depends on what you're testing. Because some development stuff is like they just, they're just they just tweaking a couple lines of code. But if that couple lines of code is in some external, some command, some API, then there's an awful lot of testing that goes beyond that. Mm. Okay, So uh, it depends on what it is. So some of the, the uh, development code can be very small, and the test can be enormous. And some of the development could be really big but highly internal, so we just will run regression on it because there's nothing really functionality to, to test. Is that because there's a lot more pads for what a person can type in versus what a, a program can programmatically put into a field? 
Um, not necessarily. I mean, we, we try to do everything programmatically. Uh-huh. We don't necessarily do everything um, uh, manually. In fact, we can't. Right. We have to do things programmatically in the operating system in order to be able to have a regression bucket and to automate uh, our test programs. So how important is regression testing in in doing the operating system stuff? Well, how would you like our quality to be? <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely important. Without regression, um, it would take eons for us to validate fixes. It would take us eons to uh, deliver new code. Part of our requirement is to be backward compatible. And how how many years backward compatible? Forever. That's a lot of years. That's a lot of years. How how does mainframe one... mainframe is what fifty years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little over. A little over. <laughs> so so how does one even start to support fifty years of backwards compatibility? Well, okay. So from the very beginning. We said we would always be backwards compatible. It's not like this is a new thing. Uh-huh. Okay. So over the decades, we have built our regression buckets. So every time we add new function, whatever we test gets automated and then put into our regression bucket. So these regression buckets grow year after year after year after year. And how, how often do you have to kind of go back and fix some of those regression tests or or they just you write them once and as long as it works the first time it's always good yeah because i'd imagine a while ago they were probably on punch cards yeah um excellent question and it's um a a, a sore point that <laughs> uh it, it is thought that once something is in your automation regre- regression bucket it's just a push of the button and there you go but uh regression buckets take a lot of care and feeding uh, they are like children, <laughs> and um, as the as the processors get faster and faster, so as our systems get faster and faster, our regression buckets will tend to degrade because now you're you're getting timing issues that you didn't have before. Uh, you'll get sometimes we have updates to APIs, you know, new new parameters, new new values, new keywords. Um, Sometimes we have things that kind of phase out a little bit over time, so the, those those test programs need to be updated and maintained and you know, debugged. So we do, I do an awful lot of debugging in my job. An awful lot of debugging, not even in the product code, but in the test code. Yeah. Okay. So test. So we have the product under test that I have to you know debug. I have my own test programs that I have to debug. I have my test infrastructure that I have to debug. We have the virtual complex I have to debug. Uh, VM, because we're running our ZOS on top of VM. Sometimes we get problems in that. That has to be debugged. Gee, Romney never mentioned that there was ever any problem in there. <laughs> Weird. <Huh>. Occasionally. <laughs> Funny that. Uh, so, you know, we've got an awful lot of layers of, of and test tooling, you know, that 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 we need to debug so it, it's entertaining when we find a problem. It's a big scavenger hunt. Right. We have to figure out what aspect of what was running at that time uh, is actually failing. So this is key, right? Because this is a big difference between ZOS and other operating systems is this ability to to be backwards compatible forever. Right. So every time that we add new functionality, we have to make sure that we don't break anything. Um, it's not like you're... Can I say other yeah. platforms? Yeah. <laughs> and we're not. We're, this isn't an IBM podcast. You can say whatever you want. 
Okay. So it's not like a Windows machine that gets a blue screen of death and, you know, or an iPhone that that re reboots everything um, whenever they, they add new something, you know, it's and old things don't work. Cool. Yeah, I remember uh, in one of my previous lives uh, at IBM uh, helping someone because uh, a company was suing IBM because – they were. It was too easy to stay on the mainframe. We didn't make it hard for people to stay on the mainframe with backward compatibility. So, you know, why would somebody move? And so they tried to sue us for, I guess, making it too easy. It, it was kind of an interesting. Every every couple of years, uh, another game console manufacturer will try to do that too. They'll like I remember play, Sony PlayStation Two came out, and they said, "Oh, it'll play PlayStation One games." And then, like, after, like, three updates, they said, yeah, this is too hard. We're not going to let you do that anymore. <laughs> and I think they did the same thing with PS3. And there's, it always gets too hard to keep doing it, and they stop. But, yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> imagine with something as huge as ZOS. Right. <laughs> as opposed to a game console. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, but I'm sure for you that's child's play. What games consoles? <laughs> no, uh, keeping up, keeping up, and and the backward compatibility, right? It sounds like you spend almost as much time maintaining those regression tests as you do kind of marching forward. Is absolutely, absolutely, yes. So, do you have a favorite like kind of bug that you like finding? Like anything that makes you just like run up and down the hallways and say, "Guess what I found." Well, I like it. Or, so I'm I'm involved in design reviews. Yeah. So I like it when I, I'm in a, in a design review and I ask my you know typical questions. Well, what happens if I do this? <laughs> well, what happens if you do this? And and I like it when I get the developers to to scratch their heads and go, huh? Because then I write down, all right, variation one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 tough ones are like overlays, system overlays. Those uh -huh. are, those are really hard to debug. Uh, I like challenges. I don't know any type of bug. And can, I, can you describe what an overlay is? Oh, sure. That's that's when uh, uh, a system does the system does something or a program does something, and it overlays a piece of storage that it shouldn't have, and then somebody else tries to or accesses that that piece of storage, expecting some value to be in there, and it's not. And then it you know it might branch wildly off into some some place in the operating system, you know, run a few more instructions. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you know, it's not till after, well after the fact that you realize, huh, it was because somebody overlaid something, and then it's, it's like I said, I like a scavenger hunt, so mm -hmm. it's, it's a scavenger hunt trying to figure out. So it's executing is. somebody's possible storage as a, as an instruction, <laughs> right? Or somebody put another um, address, and um, think of it as, you know, somebody I meant to mail you something, right? But instead, I, I, I miswrote the, the address, and it, it ended up going to Frank. Um, but now he's reading your mail and you know, you don't realize it. And then, you know, so it's that kind of analogy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a dangerous analogy. It really is. It really is. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier about uh, timing windows, too, being something else that you, you look for. Can you kind of talk about those as well? Sure. Um, so we are a multi-threaded operating system when what that means is multiple things can run at the same time. We have multiple processors. And when you have multiple processors, they could be accessing uh, system resources, the same system resources. And when they're doing that, um, there's serialization pro there can be serialization problems. 
So uh, there's timing windows where you want to get multiple things going after the same resource mm-hmm. and trying to, to test those things to make sure that things are serialized correctly uh, so that we don't have overlays, we don't um, get deadlocks, uh, we don't have multiple people altering storage that don't have authority. That kind of stuff. A couple of terms I want to make sure we're clear on. One of them, you talk about serialized. Can you, can you explain serialization because it means – different things in in different places. So serialization. So an example would be two programs trying to write to the same file at the same time. Right. If to have it be serialized means that while one has it open and is writing to it, the other one is locked out and he has to wait for the other guy to finish. So that would be something that would be serialized. Awesome. And then you use the term variation. Oh, variation. Um, it's just a design. It's a, it's a design of what, what we're going to test. It's a description of what are we going to test. So how do, how do you keep complexity under control when I know that you're, you're not just testing one release of the operating system, but you might have a Plex with like four different versions of the operating system. How do you keep it so that every time you add uh, a different variation or a software level or whatever, it doesn't automatically just double the amount of tests you have to do. Well, I never said it wouldn't double the number of tests. <laughs> oh, okay, so it does. <laughs> how, uh, how, how do you, how do you ma- stay sane <laughs> while that happens is maybe a better question. I didn't say I was sane either. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how do we get here? Wow. <laughs> Testers are a devious lot, you know? We're, we're, we're unique. Um, all right, so you're you're getting more into the, the question of uh, toleration, I would think. Yeah. Um, so in a sysplex, you've got um, you know multiple systems that are are coupled together through a coupling facility. Think of a cluster of of ZOS systems. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. But anyways, so and and they they they're messaging each other and and you know communicating with each other. So you, typically, when our customers go to a new release of ZOS, they won't bring all of their systems in a sysplex up to the, the new release. They'll do what we call a rolling IPL, or initial program load. Um, so they'll take one system in the sysplex, bring it up to the new release. Well, and they'll run that way for a while. So while they're in that, they're like in what we call a mixed plex. So one system is higher level, higher level than the others as far as the level of the operating system. So that'd be like, you know, coupling uh, multiple Windows systems together and having a Vista and an XP and a... Which I'm sure would work perfectly Oh, absolutely. Well. No problems at all. <laughs> so we have what, what are called toleration APARs, uh, service levels that go on the lower level releases so that they'll tolerate whatever new messages that are coming from the upper level releases uh, so that a, a customer can run that way for a while until he feels comfortable with... The, the new operating system and whatever software he wants to put on it, and then he'll roll the next one up. So we have to do all of that type of testing, too. So if I'm backward compatible to, um, you know, Abacus, um, how do you have to write, like, different APARs for each one of those systems? Yes. Or different services for each one of those systems? Yes. Now, is that something you guys do, or is that something you push onto the developers? Or is it- our, our, our developers write the APARs. But we test it. So not only are we testing new code going onto the operating system, but we test these toleration APARs. And then we also test fixes that go onto the operating system. So all of these uh, are images running in a VM environment so that you can simulate uh, an old 360 machine. 
Correct. So you constantly have all these different systems running at the same time, and you're you're an operator for all of those different systems as well. Isn't that amazing? All the skills I have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's amazing what I know about Parm Live and um, HCD and configuration of devices. And yes, and how they've changed over the and how they've changed over, over the, the years. decades. Right? Now, it's not as bad as you, you made it out to be. It's not all the way back to 360 because we, um, we at IBM only support N minus two level of releases of the operating system. So technically, we're on the hook for N minus two. So um, when you open up defects, um, do you just pick up a phone or do you know all the people over in support now or how does that work? Okay, so, well, when I open up defects, now in this new Agile world uh-huh. and being in function test, I just go, when I find a problem, I just w- walk over to my developer and say, hey, I try to be nice. I, <laughs> I usually say, hey, I... You don't I, do I, a dance or anything no, like that? Well, I used to. <laughs> <laughs> you have a fairly sinister smile when yeah. you said, hey, just so... <laughs> hey, I found hey, a problem. No, usually I, I try to phrase it as, you know, we found a problem or there is a problem. I try not to, you know, but some people have big egos and <laughs> take it personally. Uh, but anyway, I, 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 just, I, I talk to them and, and um, typically they'll, they'll uh, you know, fix it right away and then and then rebuild me a system and, and I go. So where where I am now in, in the department I'm in now, we do nightly builds. So we, we're, we're building whatever the developers have nightly so that the next morning I've got whatever fixes they've, they've put on. And how much of your work um, deals – do you work with customers at all? Um, I do, but not as much as is expected of me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like you want more? Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Maybe we could help her with that. I don't know yeah. where you're going with that, but <laughs> – <laughs> Oh, you're talking about the things that people say of, uh, huh, I wonder what would happen when you do that. The other thing uh, I was kind of used to hearing was a customer would never do that. Oh, they, well, they, they, they tell me that usually. And then when I go to these APAR reviews where, where we, we talk about the problems that customers are finding with the operating system, um, they, they've learned. I have a love-hate relationship with my developers. <laughs> Because um, whenever I go to a meeting, I, I, I always point out things like, what is the customer, you know, what do I think the customer is going to do? And if I think that the customer is going to be doing something, uh, I, I let the, the developers know. And, and sometimes I get pushback, but for the most part, they've they've come to respect me over the years. Come to see the wisdom of just doing what you tell them. Absolutely. So let's say somebody is uh, interested in, in the field of, of testing in, in software. What What can somebody do to to kind of find out more about the discipline? That's a really good question because a lot of the colleges don't focus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of learn it by knowing programming backwards. <laughs> yes, and, and by writing really bad code. Yes. You write really bad code, you end up debugging your own problems. Um, Why do you look at me when you say that? <laughs> Sorry. Well, this reminds you of the time that I did this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yes. Uh, I, I claim that if uh, it, once you're a tester, you become a much better developer right. because you're asking all the questions. Uh, at IBM, I, I have actually created uh, software testing classes to, to train the new hires uh, how, to, how to do functional test and how to do debugging and how to use the tools that we, we use, uh, how to you know, write test programs, how to automate, uh, how to do things in regression. And I hold uh, get-togethers 
for our community of testers where people can come and ask questions. And do you think that the the testing um, philosophy within IBM is a little bit different than it is elsewhere, specifically in Z, because the expectation of our software when it hits the client is that it works, you can install it, you can run your business on it, and not, yeah, it kind of works, and in a couple months it might shake out. Like, how, how different do you think what we do is from elsewhere? Well, I think that we have a far more rigorous process, and we have far more le- levels and layers of test um, looking for specific problems as we as we move down the line of, of the different uh, testing disciplines. We do our best to put as much together on a real system with a, a customer-like workload um, before we ship it out. We also do early customer programs where uh, customers will take early versions of the operating system and do sets of tests for us. But it's that's with like a non-disclosure agreement and they know it's, you know, it, it can be buggy and stuff and they're putting it on their test systems and, and stuff. So uh, we do, I think we have a, a higher expectation of, of greater quality than your, your typical, um, you know, web app. You said um, you train new hires. Uh, how much of that is in the VM space? How much of that is in ZOS? I mean, how do you get people up to speed on all this mainframey stuff? Because they probably don't come in knowing a lot of that, right? Sadly, they don't. They don't. Um, in fact, I, I'm finding that a lot of the, the college students nowadays, they're, they're, they start much higher up in the stack in their computer science degree. They're learning Java, um, which is like an abstraction of C, and then, you know, C, which is like an abstraction of assembler, which is an abstraction. You know, I learned it machine language. You know, we, we were literally coding in binary, you know, punch cards. They're binary, right? And then when we learned assembler, we were like, whoa, off codes. We have off codes. <laughs> and, then, and then when we finally got to the high-level language, we were like, wait a second. You can, you can talk to the computer in English? This is, like, insane. <laughs> so... Um, so yes, teaching the operating system, uh, we have uh, uh, in-house six-week class um, to teach the, the, the operating system's concepts. And then along with that, we've got two weeks of uh, programmer training of um, our high-level language. Then we have a two-week uh, assembler course. And then we have uh, two weeks' worth of testing courses that, that I have put together. So we give a lot of internal education to get people up to speed. So um, 28 years, and you obviously started when you were four. You can't see the gray hair. (laughs) Uh, What would you say, in your experience, was the biggest thing that changed uh, the operating system from the time you started? Well, Sysplex was definitely a game. That just that just as far as a tester that just blew out the the you know now now you've got coupled systems. Um, Was that the hardest thing to test that that whole new concept? Would you say? What I mean, I've tested on the on on the Sysplex, but I didn't test that specific code. Um, I'm currently an I/O supervisor, and that so far is the hardest component I've tested. Really? Yeah. What happens in there? Um, we do all the communication between uh, the the processor and uh, our your, your disks and your your switches. So I have to understand the hardware technology to understand you know what messages are we passing, and then I have to understand the stack 
to understand what um, information is, is flowing down to us. So and, you have to be the expert on both sides. Correct. <laughs> Gee, I'm feeling pretty inadequate. Yeah. <laughs> Testers need to know a lot. Oh, yeah. A lot. We need to you know, know quite a bit about the, the entire stack of the operating system because the more you know, the better you'll test. So you have all this knowledge, you, all this experience. Why do you stay at IBM? Couldn't you go somewhere else and, you know, make more money maybe or do something better? Okay, so this is an IBM question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where you're going with this. This feels like a trap. That's what it feels like. You don't have to answer it. <laughs> I mean, well, okay. For the op, I, I love ZOS. I, I love the mainframe. I love the complexity. I love the challenge. I think I would, I would go nuts if, if I just had to um, do some like little GUI thing or some little app thing. Uh, I like the complexity of coming in every day and there's some aspect I don't understand. And, and you get to learn something. I have, you know, I have yet to learn everything about the operating system because it's just so big and so complicated and there's so many interactions that if I ever get bored, I can just jump to another part of it and learn something new. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. So everyone should become a tester. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep that in. Yeah. That was awe-inspiring. She was great. I like the fact that she talked about all the stuff that she did, not only in ZOS, but in VM as well. And she was able to talk a little bit about hardware and, and all the different pieces. She really kind of rounded everything out and kind of drew everything together. Oh, yeah. People don't realize how much of the world test encompasses. Uh, um, talking with her, she, you know, it, it's obvious she, she gets her hands on a lot of stuff. And she loves breaking stuff. That's awesome. Well, and you guys can't see this uh, when on the recording, but when she was talking about uh, storage overlays and stuff like that, <laughs> her eyes lit up. <laughs> She's our kind of people. Yeah, it's uh, uh, testers, you know, sniff out their own. Speaking of our kind of people, if uh, if you're one of our kind of people, you should be at IBM System Z Technical University, November 13th through the 17th in Washington, Washington D.C. Uh, it's going to be all cool people there. And speaking of cool people at Tech you. Uh, Terminal Talk will be doing a live recording or five there. Uh, we have our own little space. We're going to have our own little microphones and our own little recording interface. Um, so you can come by and we can interview you or you can even nominate somebody and we'll surprise them and drag them into the room and record them ourselves. This is a perfect opportunity for you to check out the social media ways to connect to us. You can reach us on Twitter at, at Terminal Talk or you can drop us a note at contact at TerminalTalk.net net right yeah okay somebody else had com okay they can also go out to reddit uh slash r slash mainframe uh, we check out that so uh it's another good way to get a hold of us speaking of slash r slash mainframe oh yeah i just want to say that craftwork d left a really nice comment on there and saying what a great job we're doing oh he also uh, wants us to talk about pricing and stuff Okay, we can do that. We'll have to find somebody to talk a little bit about the relative cost between mainframe and... Yeah. I, I never see a price, so I'd assume everything's free. Yeah, that's the way it works for me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure... I'm told that's not the way it works. I'm sure there's lots of people <laughs> who disagree with that. Yeah. Oh, man, Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. 
For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.